<laughs> Welcome to the Blabberbrain Show Halloween Special Extravaganza Episode. Tonight's special guest is Dustin Perry of Ghost Hunters. It's going to be incredibly frightening. <laughs> or funny, or entertaining, or enlightening, inspiring. I think any one of those things. Either way, you're not going to want to miss this show. Let's do this. Labyrinths. And welcome, boys and girls, to the scary Halloween episode of Blabberbrain Show. I am your host, Michael Cadry, and the Joker over there in the space cadet outfit, because he's such a space cadet, is the big M, Mark Anthony. What's happening? Testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. <laughs> Houston, I'm, we have a I'm problem. I'm doing just fine over here. <laughs> yeah, you, you are the space cadet of all space cadets, so that's perfect uh, costume for you. <clears throat> or you're an egghead, one or the other, and you needed to have, yeah, it's have something to cover it up. It's got a lot of protection. I, 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 I think they put all this up here like like this in case you can't get out. I can't get out of a spaceship and the and the doors jam. I could just go in like this and ram it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you better uh, hope that uh, some giant uh, bird doesn't land on your head. You know, mistaking it for an egg and trying right. to hatch it. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of padding in there. It'd take a lot of digging right. for it to get down to my skull. Yeah, well, still, you know, those talons, you know, and they sink in there, <clears throat> you're a done deal. Anyways, so how you been? You're a uh, busy guy playing out, uh, playing some acoustic shows. We'll have to, uh, you know, tease some of those, uh, let people know where you're playing at here coming up uh, towards wow. the uh, end of our episode here and um, okay. getting a lot of practice in. I, no. I just kind of... Sh- Put together what I'm going to play, run through it once, and then I, and I show up and I play. <laughs> you, uh, you showcasing any of the new material you're you're working on? Uh, not really. I'm. I do about. I do about. I think it's seven seven of my own songs, five off my EP, and two no three other ones. And I pretty much play a mix of my version of well known. Southern rock, classic rock, and some in some newer in some newer country. Um, I do and some the best of Juice, people... and the best of Juice Newton, right? What was that? I said, and, and the best of Juice Newton. There, you, you, you no, some... I don't do any Juice Newton. I her, <laughs> I can't hit a lot of her range anymore oh, as I've shame. gotten as I've got gotten older. But I do all kind of stuff that you wouldn't expect that you would do on an acoustic guitar. Like somebody challenged me to d- come up with a acoustic version of Paranoid and by <laughs> Sabbath. And I do it. And it's almost got a little bit of a, uh, a quick Americana feel to it. And then I do stuff like you wouldn't expect on an acoustic guitar, like light my fire from the doors. Um, you know, I do a lot of the things that you want in uh, well-known songs that everybody knows but you might not you might you know nobody i've never heard anybody do a little red corvette on an acoustic guitar you know i do stuff like that and it seems to go over i mean so far everywhere i played usually when i hear somebody acoustic playing all you hear is clanging and people talking and then when they're done talk when they're done playing 
you might have one like this or people keep going. I'm actually, people are actually, you know, applauding and stuff like that. So it hasn't been as, as like, like you're just by yourself sort of running through songs. Like if there's nobody around, you know, it's, it's, it's gone fairly, it's gone fairly well. So, so far I could sing and I come out with good equipment, you know, everything's nice and crystal clear sounding and, you know, the sound quality is probably much better than what other, what other acoustic people are doing. We're seeing Ron coming up. Uh, we got Halloween coming up here, so maybe you need to work in some sort of acoustic version of like the Munsters theme song or something would be kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I, you know what? When I'm playing next week, not this upcoming weekend, but the following weekend out in Greensburg, I probably should go like this. Yeah, there just you put go. this on, and uh, it'd be really cool if I could find a small microphone. So I didn't even have a microphone in front of me and have people think it's actually coming from, coming from this. You know? <laughs> but it's like a microphone underneath there. That's all about your eye. I mean, people think you're singing out of your eye. Well, I mean, there's it's foam. There's not much, but it'd be funny because if it's funny if I could tap it, you'd hear this tapping <laughs> coming through the mic. You know, you know. I mean, they have those headless mics and stuff like that, but I don't like doing using them. I and mean, the sound quality. You lose some, you lose a lot of bottom end on them, right? Stuff like that. But yeah, that, this one might be something I should do next weekend when I'm out at um, Major Stokes out in Greensburg. Well, we're, we're, I'm not sure when this episode's coming out. So we're uh, recording it early, up. but uh, we'll, 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 it's actually it's Saturday. About. Yeah, it'll be Saturday the 20, October 28th. Okay. Greensburg, yeah, Pennsylvania. This, this 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 episode will be out before then. So yeah, from seven to nine p.m., which is nice. It's a nice two-hour, just a nice two-hour gig on a Saturday night. The food's fantastic out there. It's a small place. I mean, they have a really nice outside thing going in the summer. Obviously, we're past that. We're going to be past that now. I doubt that the weather will be warm in two weeks at night, but. Uh, they actually have a, their own garden in the back, and they do everything they can to source as much local ingredients into into their food. Right. So, yeah, it's a cool. It's 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 a cool. It's a cool little place, and the food the food's food's excellent. So, why don't you do the greens, why don't you do the original version of Light My Fire since the original version was acoustic? Um. Well, it's pretty close to. It's almost like taking the Doors version, which is it's actually their song. And then Julio Iglesias, or was it him? The no, blind Jose Feliciano. Jose, I, thought, Jose, I thought he's the one. Who, I thought he's the one that uh, wrote it. No, he put that out a couple year. I think a year or two. Ooh, I had it backwards. I had it backwards. And yeah. um, and so it's probably in between. I sing like Jim Morrison. I could do all his screams and stuff like that. So I'm singing it definitely closer to to a Jim Morrison type version. But there's some I incorporate some of the stuff that that um that he did with his acoustic version of it because the cording's a little different than the actual chords for if you were playing along to the Doors version of it. So it sort of sits in the middle. People seem to like it and I do it at the end of do at the end usually of my first my first set. 
You know, yeah, but you, so. you you actually have probably more in common with Jose Feliciano because you know you're you're like he's blind, you're kind of blind. He's short, you're short. You know, he plays acoustic, you play acoustic. You, you like Chico and the Man. He sang the Chico Man theme song. You know, so you know you got a lot more in common with him. Um, uh, maybe. I mean, he, I, I could sure see a hell of a lot better than, than he can. I got problems with one eye, but my one bad eye is still, I could at least get around. I right. couldn't drive or anything like that, but, um, he might not even know how short he is. <laughs> that I'm aware of. Well, does he know what tall is? What, how does he, how, how can he gauge it? You know? I don't know, but when I when I thought I'm you know I'm going to go look at his version of the song, and when I did that, and I started looking at some of his videos, him doing doing it live, and he's hilarious. I mean, he, you know, he he makes fun of his his lack of vision, and right. and he's he he throws some jokes in there. He's pretty entertaining back in the day. I mean, I don't. I'm assuming he's still alive now. I think I mean, he is. I'm not. I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that, but I'm, I think he is still alive. I don't, I don't know if he's still performing because he's got to be pretty old by now. But uh, you know, I think yeah. he is. I think he's still. It, it's it's he's the good, old. Uh, it's the old dead or can is he dead or Canadian? Remember that from uh, Remote Control on MTV, the game show. They they would have a category called dead or Canadian. So we got a <laughs> is Jose Feliciano dead or Canadian? Well, he sure is not uh, Canadian. Right. <laughs> Although there are a lot of Mexican people up in up in Canada, um, I don't think he's uh, he's Canadian, but um, I also don't think he's dead. So. Yeah, I I think he's still alive. He was a really he's a really good Spanish flamingo guitar player. That I'm. Yeah, just, I just I'm, thought about like that because you said you said you're playing like an Americana version of uh, you know of, um, uh, of Black Sabbath, so. I I just thought, hey, you know, what's more Americana than Jose Feliciano? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what most people say. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, hey, speaking of uh, some other scary news that just came out since it's Halloween, um, of course, it's going to be a little bit old news by the time this comes out, but did you uh, hear uh, Van Vandersloot finally uh, admitted to killing Natalie Holloway? Every, everybody knew it. I mean, this is it was kind of like anticlimactic because it would be it's it'd be like you know OJ admitting that he that he killed uh, you know Ron and Nicole, but he, you know he he did it. The, the family now has closure. He's gonna you know be punished for it in some way. I guess he's gonna be uh, he's already in jail, but so I guess he figures he's got nothing to lose. But he said yeah he he, he butchered her up and, and and hit her away where no one was, was going to find her and stuff like that. Meanwhile, like the whole world knew he did it. But the fact that uh, he finally just confessed to it, I think, kind of brings some closure to it after all these years. So, you know, it's not going to bring her back for the family, but the family is at least, you know, they know definitively now that he did it. Do you think, Mike, that he's just kind of like, you know, I'm getting to the I'm probably going to be getting to the end here soon. I'm going to try to do what I can now. When my time goes here, to maybe I have a shot of not rotting in hell. Um, I, who knows? I mean, you never know what's in a person's uh, head or what their beliefs are, what they say, and what they have in their heart are two different things. You know, there was some speculation that um, his dad actually did it. 
or help cover it up, cover it up. And if, if that's the case, maybe he's just taking a fall for him because he knows his life isn't going anywhere. But I have a feeling that he's the one that did it. His dad maybe helped cover it up. Um, yeah, his dad had to know. Uh, he just had to know. That's just, you know, if you follow the story and you knew everything that was going on, there's no way his, his dad didn't know. Um, but, you know, you know, it brings closure because there was also that story that she might have been, you know, sold into sex slavery over in Venezuela and she got put on a boat over to there. And so she could still be alive, but still, you know, captured somewhere, you know, but at least so I think, you know, at least this brings some closure, you know, definitively, as long as he's telling the truth. I mean, why would he lie about something like this? Um, you know, and, and as far as if he's trying to clear his soul and his conscience and get right with God. I mean, he didn't say as much in his testimony, but uh, you never know. I mean, it, what goes on in a person's head or heart is between them and God. And, you know, God will be the judge of, of all that stuff, not not us. We're not going to uh, be able to condemn him, right, after he leaves this world. So we'll see, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, when I get on the other side, I'll let you know. I'll probably get there before <laughs> you. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. We're at the same. Well, age, Houdini but. was supposed to have all these things that he was going <laughs> to do, and uh, either he didn't get to where he thought he was going, or they're not allowing him to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you like, know, it's a, you can't. Sorry, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean that's it. We, we don't know what the limitations are. I mean, are the people? Because here, here's an interesting thing, right? A lot of people in the paranormal. Uh, industry, they're you know, investigators, uh, whatever, even if like they're mediums or, or such, a lot of them are Christians. So wouldn't you think that if they're legit, that being in, in the uh, paranormal investigative industry or the medium industry, that, that, you know, the afterlife and heaven and stuff like that would, would more confirm your Christianity? I, I never have heard of anybody falling away and say, well, you know, because of what I do, I have been defending the proof. And I, I just, I can't believe in that because, but there, there, there's so many of them are, are still Christian. So one of two things I think is at play here. Um, the, the spirits, like if you watch things like ghost hunters or, or ghost adventures or anything like that, my, one of my favorites, ghost brothers, I love those guys. Um, but when they contact people, um, and they're able to like, you know, have like audio of, of the contact and stuff like that. Is it possible those people are in, uh, purgatory or limbo or whatever you want to call it? Like they're not in hell, but they're not in heaven. And that's why they're able to communicate. But like, like Harry Houdini said, like he's trying to communicate with his wife. And, you know, maybe when you've reached your ultimate destination of heaven, like there's no way to communicate in that way, shape, or form. I don't know. I mean, like we, you can only speculate and, and hypothesize of what it's going to be like until you until you get there, right? So, but I, I think it's interesting that uh, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people in the paranormal industry are, are Christians, so I would think that they would probably have something have shown up to them that says, you know, something to not still believe in Christ or God or whatever, but instead they, they, they remain in their faith. 
but um the the interesting thing with with the way they communicate and stuff with with the dead and i can't there's so many people that just don't believe that right like i i feel like i mean i know because my own personal experience with 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 stuff like that that there has to be at the bare minimum at the bare minimum people think you just die and there's nothing else there's energy right our our bodies are energy our beings are energy our souls are energy the energy goes on it just doesn't the flame doesn't die out and i think there's definitive proof on that um like i said it's up to the person's individual spirituality or their faith to say okay is there heaven is there god all that other stuff uh which i believe but for people that just say that you know we die and there's just nothing i first of all i think that's sad that they believe that second of all you know if they're if they're looking for definitive proof on it they're they're I think there is plenty of proof that there is something after after this life. I mean, what's your thoughts? I don't know. I keep I jump around and think about a lot of things, and I have some different views that we don't, you know, when it comes to religion and stuff like that. I just think that nobody knows the answer, and whoever may have thought what the answers were, say when back in the biblical days, that maybe. Something has changed. Maybe some people are saying, why isn't God coming down and doing this or doing that? Who knows what's going on? Maybe you don't have the ability to do that for whatever reason. You just don't know. And I don't know. I, I, I haven't really seen. I've heard people I know, including my cousin and his wife in the, ho- in the house that they own, some of the things that they dealt with from there was some, they found out there, you know, after the fact that there was, they were having some things go on upstairs in this, um, I guess it would be considered the attic, their house. And this woman who was supposedly a smoker, there's times in the morning they could smell strong cigarette smoke and neither one of them smoked. Right. And just some interesting things that have gone on. That, you know, I haven't myself had witnessed that stuff. So I'm, I don't know how I feel. I mean, it's, I, I go, I go back and forth forth on things and maybe there are situations where if we are going to an afterlife whether that's in you know going up to heaven or going down below or wherever who knows maybe there's just times that things get you know somebody kind of gets stuck in the process of it you know what i mean and that's why there's people lurking around or these you know or that they think are actually somebody you hear stories about you know, somebody who lived on this premises, you find out if, you know, some homeowner has this weird things going on and then they do some research and they find out, you know, something dramatic's happened in that house that sort of relates to what they see and hear. And it's pretty fast. It's pretty fascinating. Maybe there's, like I said, maybe there's just times when, when your spirit leaves here and it somehow just gets st- stuck in limbo. You know, maybe there's, maybe that things like that happen and and that's the and that's the reason why i mean i don't know i i told you this mike i think i think there's to me i think the greatest chances we have i think when we leave this world we're gonna all be jewish you know that's my <laughs> thoughts, you know i mean seriously i you know it's like i you know i i think we i think there's a shot that when we pass away we find out we're jewish and you know, wait you know and all of a sudden somebody's coming up to you and saying shalom 
Well, I mean, Jesus was Jewish. So, yeah. Know. And so, so, I mean, and I, you, even thinking about that, you just, you know, I don't know, man. I, I go back and forth on everything. I just think there's a lot of stuff that you can't change in this world and bad. Sometimes bad things happen because that's just what happens. And maybe, maybe he doesn't have that type of control to change anything or ability. Well, I think Who knows he does. I happens? think he just, he doesn't. I don't think, personally, I don't think God interferes because of free will. And I think the times that he may interject is if it doesn't go against his will for somebody. Um, for, for sake of argument, when we're, when we're praying for somebody, whatever, um, maybe that person was intended to live anyways. And, um, you know, but maybe not, you know, let's say for the sake of they had a, they had a sickness and um, they weren't meant to die anyways, they were going to get through that. But their life, maybe they got through it quicker or easier or something like that. So it didn't change the path of that person that they're supposed to be on. So maybe God answered some prayers there. I think overall, I think, you know, there's evil in this world because people have, have a tendency to be evil. And they, 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 they don't, they're, they're removed from God. They don't believe in God. They don't love God. So there's evil in the world. And God's not going to stop that because that's interfering with the free will of people he didn't create us to um you know control us like puppets he controlled us to basically place us here so that we can return our love to him and then that's our free choice and those that aren't loving him are you know, doing heinous acts i mean they're blowing they're terrorists blowing people up or shooting people or killing people or robbing them or whatever God's not going to interfere and stop that because that's, you know, it, that's just not, that, that takes away the free will, you know, but uh, uh, I, you know, there's, there, there's a, we don't want to get too old theological on this whole matter, but, uh, and again, I'm not saying that I'm right or that there's any one right way. Um, I just personally believe that people say, well, if there's a God, why is there you know, evil in the world? There's evil in the world because first of all, how are you going to juxtapose good without evil? God is all love. And if everybody was just a, a mind numb robot being controlled by God, then there would be no evil. But we're not. We're, we're free to do what we want to do. And people have evil tendencies in them. So, and without the evil, you know, how, how do you know what good is? Or how do you know what, what, what evil is without the good and vice versa? So, um, I don't know. That's why I think that, uh, you know, there's, Heinous acts that go on constantly, especially like over in Israel right now. Um, you know, that's just not something he's never he's never stopped, stepped in and interjected. You know, and um, I don't I don't see him starting out. <laughs> well, I've spent an awful lot of time trying to figure it all out, and I got nothing. Right. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I got. Well, you're never going to. I got nothing. I'll still and I'll still probably until the day I die try to figure this out and figure that out and you just you know and you try to come up with reasoning and stuff like that and what well, most of the time i have nothing that's all I think that's a, done with them a lot of the times that's you know just satisfy your own you know curiosity or whatever and you know some people a lot of people say well we'll know for sure when we die well maybe you won't you know i mean all the answers all your questions will be answered when you die well maybe they won't because maybe you won't care 
you know, maybe you're just in the presence of God and you're in heaven and you don't care about those, those questions anymore. Who knows? Or maybe they do all get answered. We don't know. One day we'll find out the people that say definitively, there is nothing after, after life. And when I die, I'm buried in the ground. There's nothing else happening. There is no God, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're right or I'm right. And if you're right, nobody's going to know. If I'm right, we're all going to know. <laughs> so, um, that's that's the way I look at it. So one day we will find out the truth, and uh, we we probably won't be able to report back here. We're not going to come knocking on. Hey, I got I got the answers for you. I, I, I just went through it. Here's the situation. That'd be nice if you could do that, but I don't think that's going to happen. It hasn't I'm happened yet. I'm just wondering. You know, our guest that we get the interview today. I saw something by him where he was saying, you know, like you know these apparitions or ghosts or whatever he tends to see that they're really tall or they're really short and i'm wondering being that i'm on a shorter i'm short if i have a greater <laughs> chance of coming back and floating around and spooking people than the average person that's 5 10 or 5 11 there might do i have a greater chance of you know going around and go ooh and and torturing somebody in my house after I'm not here anymore, coming back to my house on James Street, you know, and then while they're sleeping upstairs, be down down in in the basement playing a guitar or something, having them wonder, where's this music keep coming from? (laughs) (laughs) And I just leave a guitar picker pick sitting there but no guitar and they're, they're asking each other you know or whoever lives there is that your guitar what's a guitar pick doing here why like- we heard music playing last night when we couldn't figure out what that was well sorry guys i was short i'm short and i was at a higher risk for coming back and haunt you guys sorry I mean, it's like uh, like a ride at uh, amusement parks. That you've got to be as tall as Mickey Mouse to ride this ride, and you know you get you got to be this tall to get into heaven. And those of you can't, well, you're not going to hell, but uh, you can't get in there, so just go floating around somewhere else. So, um, like it's a lottery. Like, well, your number's yeah. been pulled up. You got to go back and start and start bothering the people in the house that you own for the last thirty years. Okay, well, that wouldn't make sense because it's a, no. a the, the spiritual uh, okay, realm. Is, I'll take care. There's no physical space in the spiritual realm. It's all like it, there's. It's not like there's no time and space, right? So, um, it's not like oh, it's too crowded here. We got we got to make room for more people. But um, let's talk about something else that's uh, scary right now. The, the the Steelers, as we like to talk about. What's your? Uh, I, there's some things floating around out there, rumors, and of course they're just rumors. I don't hold credible in any way shape or form but uh with the one of the rumors that i kind of liked was the fact that uh that byron leftwich contacted the steelers to see if they would be interested in bringing him on to the uh to the staff to help out he, he wasn't necessarily bidding for the oc job but i, I could see him do that but um could actually see him you know eventually taking over for for Mad Canada, but maybe even taking over for Tomlin one day. But uh, what's your thoughts about that rumor? Oh no, there's been some, and then there's another one. I think these people just put stuff out there to get things talking. That you know, it's possible that Ben Roethlisberger might return to help and get and be out of the coaching staff. I mean, it, I don't know, Leftwich. That's that's a realistic 
scenario. Somebody yeah. who played it, some, and I, you know, somebody who played at Roethlisberger's level, I can't imagine him wanting to put the time commitment in that these coaches have. He probably had enough of meetings about meetings and stuff like that and all the re- over meetings and over watching this and that as an NFL player. Um, but he, I mean, he's already coaching. Ben's already coaching like junior football right now. Yeah, but that's not taking up 80 hours a you're not week like a, in the NFL. That's as people are living and breathing it all season. True. I just don't see Roethlisberger. I don't see Roethlisberger doing it. Working with kids and high school kids, that's you can't work with them around a clock and watch film. You only same with like in college. You only have so much time you're allowed allotted to spend. You know. I'll, that's why I'd be shocked if Deion Sanders would ever come in at a pros because it's just going to be a bigger commitment, coaching commitment than it is at a at a scholastic level. Left, which I don't, you know, I I brought that up to you before. Like I'm wondering, you know, if they, you know, if, if some they we might not end up talking with him and other teams too, being a head coach because it seems that way. But then you hear bad things about, and I don't keep up with what his you know, how, how successful he's been where he's at, but didn't he get cut because of, because he was ineffective as an offensive coordinator? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he was the offensive coordinator when, when they won the Super Bowl with Brady. So, um, I, I think that's why he's out there now. I thought he was let go from what was it? Miami or somebody last year. I don't know. I I, I don't know the whole backstory, but he, uh, he, he certainly has, qualifications like i said he led the buccaneers to a, a, a super bowl with with tom brady um and that's you know if he was a horrible offensive coordinator um you know even brady wouldn't be able to overcome that i mean brady can't go out there he's not terry bradshaw terry bradshaw called a lot of his own plays but didn't call every every play and uh you know brady can't go out there and be the offensive coordinator and the quarterback at the same time mm. um so you have to give credit to that to somebody and I guess you'd have to give that to Leftwich. Leftwich was already on the coaching staff here at Pittsburgh at one point in time for a couple of years. So there's a tie there. Um I think he is eventually going to be a head coach somewhere yeah, at some too. team. Um I think he's a very intelligent guy, a bright guy. Um I, I just see this as a, you know, even there's there's talk, you know, even from Tomlin's side about how much longer he's got with the Steelers and stuff like that. So why not bring in somebody like a left, which when you're having problems at offensive coordinator, anyways, bring him in there to groom him, to take over for Tomlin, whenever either Tomlin decides to leave or the Steelers decide to get rid of him or whatever. And like, to me, that just makes the most sense. Why would you let this guy get away when supposedly according to the, the reports out there is he's actually reaching out and contacting the Steelers. They're not contacting him. So he wants to be here. So why not at least to entertain that 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 thought anyways? Did you see the one that was going around just in the last week that Gruden supposedly is interested? And I don't well, buy that. There no, they that was just somebody putting two and two together because him and Tomlin are really good friends and he's available. So I don't think that thing had any merit whatsoever to it. I don't uh I think it was just a rumor. I think it was just something thrown out there to get people talking. I mean, much like even like there's people talking right now about how Mason Rudolph could get traded to the Vikings for um, for uh, 
I know, I know, like the, um, the quarterback. I know the quarterback's name. I, I even have him on my fantasy team. Holy crap, I'm having a brain fart. But um, I and I again, I think that's just um, uh, just someone trying to make up news to try to get people to to talk. You know, um, I don't think there's any merit to that either. So, you know, people just like to make up stuff just to have people circulate it and see how people share it. And then if something does come true, they're like, Oh, I, I'm the one who came up with that first. I'm the one who, who broke that, that story or whatever. I mean, it's, it's no different than regular news in sports. People try to guess at what's going on. And then if it does happen, they could say, well, we, I broke the story first. Cause uh, you know, look back, I'm the one who first talked about that. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Get over yourself. You know, yeah, Gruden would be the farthest stretch. Everybody is saying, I was looking through some of the threads on Facebook, and people were saying, No, he's got that's the way for him to get his foot back in the door, you know, in the right. NFL and stuff like that. I just don't see him as a guy who's had multiple positions, three positions. I mean, he was at the Raiders twice. Right. And in Tampa, I just don't see that guy now being off for a while coming. Coming back as an assistant coach somewhere. I don't yeah, think I don't I don't, see that and either. I, and then the biggest thing on top of that, I don't see Tomlin having somebody come in who might be a bigger buzz and and to talk about than him. I don't or, see, or I, take the spotlight away or something yeah, like that because you know yeah, he's a big I just mouth don't and, I don't see that. I just don't see that either. And right. I don't know. So they need to make they need to make it change. I just think, well, look, it's look what's going on up in New England with Belichick. They're talking about him maybe on his way way out too. I think you know he had a hell of a run. Let's face it, Tom Brady had a lot to do with the success. Of course, they had better they were able, they had better players around them too than they have up there right now. I just think you run your course after a while. You know, right. I think you just run your course after a while, and you're just. You know, it's time to hang it up, and, you know, I'm surprised he's still coaching. Frankly, I would have gone a year without Brady and probably retired. Look at the, all the Super Bowls you went to. You got a bunch of rings. You, you know, might as well go out looking good. Because mm-hmm. one thing is if you – one thing that happens is if you – it seems to me, anyhow, is if you did an awful lot of good – but if you stick around as things get bad too long, people start to forget those bits and pieces. Of the good. Just like Butfar, he's retired. Then he's coming back. Then he retires. Then he's coming back. Then he, you know, and then they said, <laughs> and, you know, Green Bay kicks him off. Then he goes to Jets. Now he's going to retire. Now he goes. And after a while, he's just, you know, he's looked at as a putz. Right. And, you know, even with the other things that went on afterwards when, you know, you, could go into but you know if people started forgetting about all the great because and i think it's going to go belichick if he sticks around too long with how things are going i just think it's on a lot of people's minds it takes away everything and it puts it more on brady as the being the the big chief you know now right. it's look at happen you know brady leaves and wins the super bowl the next year and you know, and all it's been is big, a slow decline with Belichick. You know, there's a lot of people now saying that. You see, it was Brady. It was Brady. Brady knew more than Belichick. Belichick's back to being when he coached, when he coached the um, Browns. The Browns. You know, going back to being mediocre. 
Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, it's never just one thing, right? It's never just the coach. It's never just the quarterback. It's never just the running back. Um, it's it's a combination of everything that has to work right in order to uh, have that perfect storm to put a team together to win the Super Bowl and stuff. And it's it's not even just the coach and the quarterback. Like it wasn't just Belichick and Brady. It was the, the supporting cast around as well. Was having a good defense. Um, I'm not saying it was not wasn't a big part of it. Um, you know, the cheating was a big part of it too. So you know, how do you factor that in? Uh, but um, you know, you've got to have people that that's uh, willing to execute your your cheating plans and and do it right in order to uh, you know succeed with that. But um, so that's why I think, like, even you look at Chuck Noll, you know, after he lost the his primo players from the the dynasty era of the of the, of the Super, uh, Super Bowl era Steelers, you know, was it did, was it that Chuck didn't know how to coach anymore, or that he just didn't have the players that he used to have? I think it was a little bit of both. I think he was getting old. The game was kind of passing him by, and he didn't have the players. I think Belichick is the same way. I think. The game is passing Belichick by. He's 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 old, and he doesn't have the players that he used to have anymore. So it's it's got to be a combination of the two. Well, Noel had a lot of. I mean, you know, I think what hurt Noel, he stuck with Mark Malone. He seemed to just be loyal to players that he shouldn't have been loyal to. Same with right. Bobby Brister, and <laughs> and it just seems like I think the biggest thing that hurt him was the fact that. Once you started getting in the 80s, more money's being generated by the NFL, which means that the salaries went up everywhere. And it wasn't until Coward came here, a couple of years after Coward was here, where they actually were spending, they were spending the same amount of money as other, other teams. teams were. Because right. I remember that first that first playoff game with, with Coward when we got our asses kicked here. We were the number one seed by Buffalo. Of course, we were, I think, 11 and 5, and we only played – five teams with winning records that season and then we lost all five games but the thing was though there was a thing on tv and i think they were talking about the, about the salary i don't can't remember i think it might have been with jim's jim kelly's salary his salary for the year was more than our top 12 players on offense and defense combined Right. That's how lo- we were paying like it was still in the 70s, which didn't help it. No, no, though. Look at look at what happened with Cower that first year. A lot. And, and for the next couple of years, all of a sudden we had this great team and it was a lot of Noel's players. But Noel had those guys sitting on the bench, still letting the guys that weren't doing well because they'd been with the team for a long time in their playing. All right. those guys, all those great players the next year and next couple of years, they were sitting on a bench. They were backups. And when they would play in a game and they'd be used, they were phenomenal. And I'd be one of the people scratching their heads. Why the hell aren't they playing? Why, why aren't they playing Neil O'Donnell as a starting quarterback? Why aren't they putting in yeah, this guy as wide receiver? Why is, what was it? I'm trying to think what his name was. Green, the tight end, not the, not the linebacker. There's right. another green that we had that was really good. And I mean, why weren't they playing? And they just know was just in those old ways of loyal to those guys that were with them. And he just wasn't able to change with the time. I don't think that with Belichick, 
there's any loyalty there. I think the fact is now he doesn't have the talent and Tom Brady was a guy who had a awful lot of awful lot of talent and he was a guy who worked and whether you like the guy or not the guy busted his ass more probably than any other quarterback and he did that to be a starter in high grade school high school college he he worked his tail off you know to understand everything and to play at his best because he always had to compete he wasn't like uh Michael Vick that could just walk in there and start running and throwing a ball and all of a sudden, you know, you get something going. I mean, Brady was his worth that ethic and his, to exercise, to knowing the game, to what every to what he ate and everything. He was just he was ex, he was extreme at that. And that has a great amount to do with his success and why he he played at a good level as long as he did. Right. You know, I mean, he, you know, he lasted and let's face it. He could he probably still could be playing and play, not maybe be the best guy out there, but he could be one that probably still be a top 10 quarterback in the league right now. If he was still playing. Yeah. And those are all the rumors that are flying to the, Oh, is Tom Brady coming back? Like, no, like, no, no he's, he's not, not coming back. back. <laughs> They're like, not, Hey, maybe, maybe he'll come back to the jets. And like, no, he's not coming back. Don't worry about that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had that great opportunity down in Tampa. They just needed some offense, you know, and right. he just walked into a, that's what they needed without him and, and Gronkowski. There's no, there's no Super Bowl that year. Right. They even right. started off kind of iffy. It took them a while. I didn't even think the first five, six games that they were even going to make it into the playoffs because they just, it was out of sync. They were looking Brady rough, yeah. wasn't playing well and he had some bad games where he threw a bunch of picks and that, but they got it together late in the season. And of course, you know, we, you know, well, when you go into retirement mode, I mean, most of these players, like they don't like, they go into full retirement mode. Like they're ready to retire. Like the day after, as they say, I'm, I'm done. They're, they're not still working out in the gym. They're still not, you know, going out in the field and throwing the ball around They're They're relaxing. They're taking, they're playing golf. They're doing whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it might take you a, a little while longer to snap back from that and, and come back and get into game shape, but you know, eventually that happened. But, um, hey, and nobody, Jerome Bettis looks like he's still playing at Notre Dame. If you see him, he's <laughs> thin and trim, <laughs> looks like he's in the shape he was back in, back in college. Yeah, except for he's limp. he's limping everywhere he goes. Right now, no, he's so. he's put. I would ex I expected he was going to put on weight. You know who surprised me, and I don't know if you watched any of the. Um, I can't remember if it if it was XFL or USFL that Heinz Ward coached one of the teams. Did you see the big belly he's got? Yeah, on Yeah, he's there. He's pumped up. You I know, mean, that really surprised me. And what's funny is like the linemen usually go the other way. Like the defense and offensive linemen, they usually like lose all that weight because while they're playing, they try to maintain as heavy a weight as possible. So they're constantly, you know, just getting calories in them and they're shoving food and shoving food and shoving food in their body. Well, once they go back to just eating normal, all that weight just drops right off them. Well, the, the wide receivers and people like that are like the other way around because they were naturally built that way and they weren't trying to put all that weight on. Well, now that they're not in retirement and then they're, they're not working out, they're eating a lot still, and the weight just keeps putting on, putting on them. So it's just the opposite. Yeah, but usually you don't see a wide receiver 
go up like that. I mean, you see, you see a lot of running backs will do that. But Heinz Ward, I mean, it was all in his stomach, though. Right. It just blew me away because Heinz Ward came, in my eyes, I thought that was a guy that was always going to be in shape. You know what I mean? Like, I had never – when I saw him the first game I was watching out there – and I saw this big, huge stomach on him. And I was like, because the rest of him isn't all that, but he's got that big, I mean, his face, but he's got that huge, big belly on him. And it threw me <laughs> off because I just always thought that guy, to me, I thought would be saying when he's 60, oh, he looks like he could probably go in there. Don't play like, playing, Jerry, like you know? Jerry Rice, right. Yeah, I did. I really expected he was going to be a guy that he'd be running his sprints in the morning and, you know, he would be still, uh, you know, he just came across to me as one of those guys that would would continue to work out and stay in shape and stuff most as long as he could. No, he looked away if uh, Terry Bradshaw is what he did, so. Oh, Terry Bradshaw's <laughs> really blimped up. Right. He looks yeah. like a clown. Looks like they can put a rubber nose <laughs> on him. In the right outfit, you know, with the cummerbund that rolls up and hits him in the chin for comedy, you know. I mean, he's really balked, especially in the last in the in the last uh last couple of years. But like yeah, Heinz like really but I like I, I like I like I always will like Terry Bradshaw. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. That's that's what that's probably my all time favorite stealer is yeah, it's Bradshaw. I just like it's a, it's a good one to to like. So, anyways, uh, why don't we why don't you uh, why don't we plug some shows of yours coming up uh, uh, later on October here and into November? What uh, what do you got on the docket there for people? Okay, to let check me pull my phone up. Well, uh, on Saturday, October twenty eighth, going into Halloween, I'm at Major Stokes Bar and Restaurant out in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, from seven to nine. And then if we go into November, if we November 4th, the following Saturday, I'm at the big Cadillac Ranch out at Settlers Ridge out near Robinson Township. And I will be playing there from 8 to 11. I can get the following week on Saturday. I'm playing at the Hard Rock Cafe. I'm only doing a short set there for the Rock for Veterans Benefit for the Wounded Warriors Project taking place at the Hard Rock Cafe in Station Square in Pittsburgh. There's just three of us playing. I'm the middle slot from 8.45 to 9.15. Well, hopefully people come out and support that. It sounds like a good cause. Yeah, so. I, and there's a lot of things like that going on. I'm, I'm assuming not just here, because there's something going on here where I just played last weekend right. here in North for Sales. They're having something that day with a couple of bands. So I'm assuming there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot to do on November 11th if you want to go see some bands and uh, and also you know help donate some money to a great cause. It looks like there's a there's going to be a handful of shows floating around probably every in every major city, not just here in Pittsburgh. And right. then you know I got two the next two weeks. I'm just doing Fridays ones. Back at Major Stokes on November seventeenth from in Greensburg seven to nine, and my first time at Fire Whistle Brewing on November twenty fourth on a Friday from eight to eleven, and that is in Elizabeth, PA. And the following Saturday, December the second, I'm at, again at Cadillac Cadillac Ranch up Settler Ridge near Robinson Township, 
uh, in Pennsylvania. And then I got a couple weeks off and doing some stuff towards the end of the year. Who knows? There might be another show thrown in the, in the mix of that. I do want to get into the studio here in the wintertime and finally record my my uh, five-song EP with some real, a few real band songs with instruments and everything and a couple acoustic tunes that will have some percussion and stuff and not just pure me right. playing an acoustic guitar. And I think I'm going to name this one Martins and Marshalls. It's going to be some stuff with guitar and it's going to be some things where I'm not going to be plugging into a Marshall and I'm going to be, uh, why would, why would you say Marks and Martins and Marshalls? <laughs> I don't even know if I, I'll have to use all Marshalls. Right. Um, but I have a bunch of other amplifiers nowadays, you know, so that will, if I name it that, I'm going to have to. Called uh, M M Q M cubed. M What's that? Third, I said, call it M cubed. M to the third power. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, there you go. There's plenty of chances for you to go out and catch uh, the big M uh, playing acoustically. Hopefully, you can uh, you can do that somewhere along the line. Uh, sorry, no covers anywhere I'm playing. There's no, there's no cost to get in to see me play these next seven weeks. Nobody's we, taking a cover charge. Uh, we, I don't we even lost. think that. I don't even think they're taking a cover charge down at uh, at the Hard Rock that night, unless you want to reserve a reserve a table. But I do believe you'll have an opportunity to donate, and I'll be donating myself, not just by playing playing for a while it's a short event there's only there's only three of us playing i don't think i think the whole thing together is only about two hours right so it's a short it's a it's it's a it's a short event it's a short event okay well there you go all right then we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our special guest dustin perry from ghost hunters stay tuned Labyrinths. Anything? It was amazing. Like Tango and I heard a piano playing, which is one of the claims. But then things got quiet. Dust, if you hear these, if you heard these sounds, I mean, you wouldn't even know what the hell to say. It's, yeah. I mean, it was calling out for August, and uh, it sounds like the freaking piano. Just yeah. a ding, 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 ding. It's just really strange. Tango and Sherry, why don't you cover the monitors? Us three can all just take a seat right here on the floor. See what happens. Yeah, that's right. That's a great idea. Triangling, yeah. All, all right, right, do it up. Welcome back to the Halloween episode special extravaganza of Blabber Brain Show. We're happy to welcome to us right now Dustin Perry from Ghost Hunters. Let's give a big round of applause. Well, yeah. thank you, Dave. What's up? How's it going? All right, man. Well, I. Look, you're, you're covering up your signature hair with your Santa hat. I mean, I, granted, that's a great costume. But Thank uh, you. Well, I, I like to, you know, I kind of feel like a real-life Jack Skellington. So I like to celebrate Christmas along with my Halloween, you know? That's that's a that's a great idea. I mean, but, uh, you know, you know, is anybody going to know who you are without your signature That's true. Hair? I mean, I could find a visor somewhere. It's still here. That's a yeah. modern. It stays the same right underneath the hat, too. It that's does. amazing. It's, 
It really is quite <laughs> remarkable for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, Dustin. Um, I know you got a busy schedule, and my pleasure. And, uh, but we really appreciate having you on, especially for our Halloween spectacular extravaganza. Right, this is a fun time of year, which we thought be uh, you'd be the perfect guest to have on. Um, you know, you're uh, I don't know how to best describe it. Uh, you're you're the best known Ooh, secondary cast member. Look, you've been with uh, Ghost Hunter since uh, season one, am I right? And off and uh, on. Yeah, season one and a half, I think I popped in. I actually watched the first half of season one at home and then uh, then joined up with the guys. So Right. And you're still doing work with them, so which is fabulous. Yeah, so, yeah. It's you- been a long time. Like Jay and I did a lecture the other night. I'm like, man, this is crazy. It's like 18, 19 years of working together. So I think Ghost Hunters is like 20 years old next year. So Wow, that's awesome. Well, yeah. you know, like when it when it when it hit the, the the circuit, it just took off like a rocket, right? And then somewhere in in the middle there, like I think the it kind of peaked and people lost their interest in those type of shows. Yeah, and it dropped off, but not for very long. Um, no, I, I I'm thankful to say we were back. We were always kind of kept in the conversation. You know, I think everybody was always waiting for the paranormal to kind of to just go away. Right. You know, they're like, okay, everyone, everyone's had their thing. We've, we've talked about it and now it's kind of jumped the shark, but, uh, you know, there's always an ebb and flow with these kind of things. And, um, obviously with the donor reality television, um, the paranormal being in that focus was new. So we didn't know what to expect with it. Uh, but I, I, I definitely didn't expect to still be around doing this stuff. And I would always leave. Like I left to get married. I left when my daughter was born. So I, I never really, was there and thinking, okay, when I come back, this will still be going on, but it would always still be there. So, uh, mm. you know, and behind the scenes, we still do, you know, local cases and things like that and uh, still do lectures and tours. And um, it's, it's a, it's a juggling act for me because I still work a day job in healthcare. So I never left that either. Um, right. So it's been, it's been nuts, but I'm very blessed and very thankful to have had all these experiences. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one thing people don't think. They, they think you guys are ghost hunters 24-7, right, and all the time. And you guys have regular yeah. jobs. I mean, like, you know, Jay has never hidden the fact that he was working for Roto Ruger. I think he's still working for Roto Ruger. Yeah, yeah, he does um, a lot of uh, online content and things for uh, for the company still. Um, right. I think he does, like, instructional videos or something, but he does a lot still. All right, well, that's, that's, that's amazing. So, but it also uh, keeps you very busy uh, on an ongoing basis, both with uh, the investigations and with, uh, you know, working some conferences and, uh, you know, these meet and greets and stuff like that. So and that pretty much fills your, your calendar as well as uh, all your motivational speaking and stuff like that, which is what you do. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But, sure. uh, so you, you're, you stay extremely busy, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, I, I joke around that I don't sleep at all because it's uh, it is it's uh, and it's it's definitely a blessing. Uh, October being obviously the busiest month because um, during the week I'm doing lectures throughout New England. The rest of the year, you know, we're, I'm away like every other weekend, usually twice a month. Um, but when I'm back home, you know, I'm working on books, working on new lectures. Um, I started this thing called Spooky Pages, like a, a, a creepy coloring book line that's on Amazon. I'm working on a Christmas um, book line and uh, I do motivational um, lectures, as you mentioned. And then I've also started doing a lot of uh, mental health work and uh, I've been doing mental health coloring books. And yeah, I don't I don't rest very much, but I feel like I don't know how much time I have. I mean, none of us do. You know, thankfully, right. I'm healthy, but 
I want to do as much as I can while I'm here. I want to try to make an impact and, and leave a legacy of kindness and some physical things that people can touch and see and experience and be like, oh, okay, this is what this is what he left, you know. So Yeah, and you do an amazing job with that, especially on social media, uh, with trying to stay positive through everything, delivering a positive message. And that, that's tough in this in this day and age, right? When there's just so much, you know, crap and so many things bringing people down and and we need more people like you who are there to at least deliver some sort of positive message, not whether people adhere to it or not. Um, I mean, that's not your job is to make sure that people accept it. It's just your job to deliver it and hope that people accept it. And yeah. um, so, but how, I mean, how do you stay like that up in public? Let me ask, let me phrase it in a different way, right? Sure. It, most people I know who are do what you do, they're motivational speakers or they're writers. They also are have people that motivate them and inspire them as well, because it's really hard to motivate and inspire yourself sometimes. So mm-hmm. how do you stay motivated and inspired to deliver those types of messages? Um, a lot of my inspiration, I just draw from life experience, people that I've encountered, um, and I'm very much into music. I, and I find a lot um, of inspiration and emotion from the lyrics um, from certain artists, you know, and it's uh, and depending on what I'm going through, I find I'll start to listen to certain artists more than others. And um, sometimes there'll just be a little bit of a lyric or, or a thought that gets presented and the way it's paired musically, you know, because some some bands and artists, it's really like like poetry set to song, you know, and those moments. Um, I mean, there's honestly I mean, I'm, I'm never been like the bravado type. There's been times where I pull over and I will start to get like emotional, like I will literally tear up because something f- just unlocks within my mind and it just. And it's not being upset because I'm sad. A lot of times it's I find something so beautiful that all of a sudden I feel like there's this emotional release that, that goes with it, you know. And right. a lot of what I look at is um, I really feel like, you know, I say in all my, my lectures, no matter what they are, that we're spirits going through a human experience, you know, that we're not from here. We don't stay here. But I feel like we are here. You know, we should be helping each other out and learning together and laughing together and crying and growing together. So um, a, a lot for me, I think, you know, comes from from those little moments of insight, these little blessings, these little bits of wisdom. I also look at a lot of stuff weird. So like sometimes just an everyday situation will pop up and I'm like, oh, that's like in a way that could be motivational, too. So um, I try to just take things that are commonplace for people and find a way to spin it in a way to, to help them. Because I feel like if you have a, a tangible experience, you have something you can relate to instead of someone just saying, you can do it, you can do it like Maybe I can't do it. Maybe today sucks. Maybe tomorrow's <laughs> going to be worse, you know? Right, right. It's like, I want to say, yeah, tomorrow's going to be better. Just stay with it. But tomorrow might suck. The next year might be difficult as hell. But the long game, like you got to stay in the game. And and I think stringing together little victories is yeah. the way to keep that going. And uh, for me, staying positive is a practice. And that's what, you know, people will often ask, like you said, like, how do you stay motivated? Well, it's it's like anything else. It's like you got to work at it. It's not just like you wake up all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I'm super happy. Life is good. Um, it's it's not like that, you know. So there's going to be ups and downs. But if you practice looking on the, the positive side of things and looking on the sunny side of things, you start to see that more than looking into the darkness and the negativity all the time. And, um, you know, social media, unfortunately, doesn't do a hell of a lot to help that. So that's why I try to be a little ray of sunshine. Like you said, I can't can't drag people across the finish line, but hopefully I can give them a little something to think about. Yeah, Mark does. And you thought about music, you know, Mark uh, has uh, 
recorded a, an EP with some acoustic music. And one of the songs on there is called Your Stars Are Beautiful. It's about, you know, singing by a girl. And has kind of inspired a lot of people, too. And a lot of people share it. They, they find it a beautiful song. So you're right. Yeah, I mean, whether your, your inspiration is in words or if it's in music, or whatever, I think it's you're, you, you, you catch more flies with honey, right? As they say, than, than your vinegar, and uh, so you're going to get more attention on you whenever you're you're being kind and you're, you're showing love and stuff like that. So, but um, and you know, so yeah, next time you're in Pittsburgh, you'll have to go check out Mark Play. He's uh, was just running down a list of all his uh, gigs that he's got coming up before the end of the year. I know that uh, I know Taps is in in Pittsburgh quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of paranormal hot spots around you know, and yeah uh, maybe, yeah maybe there is quite a bit Pennsylvania I find Pennsylvania and Michigan to be two places that we do quite a bit you know yeah. um and I know like even like the the home teams we have in different uh states and everything um I know those are always very active and then like Maine little like off the way places nice. um that seem to have a lot of activity but uh I like I like going to uh to Pennsylvania quite a bit they've always been very good to me uh, Michigan, Kansas. I love Kansas. Everyone's just so nice when I go there. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit of i I'm a fellow that loves to just kind of, I don't investigate them, but I like to just walk around old cemeteries and take pictures and, and read the stones and stuff. And right. uh, I was in Kansas recently and I had stopped at the side of the road to take pictures and like, it wasn't a very, you know, traveled road and two different cars had came by and both of them stopped to make sure I was okay. I was like, how sweet that is. Like in Rhode Island, I could be on the side of the road on fire and nobody would give it it. Like they'd be mad. They'd be mad at you for causing them traffic, you know? So um, I'm very blessed to, to have met so many cool people across the, across the place. But yeah, there's certain states that um, seem to kind of just lend themselves to, to my experience, I think. You think that might have something to do with how old the states are? I mean, there's been stuff happening in Pennsylvania for a lot, a lot of long time. You know, and yeah, I mean, even with some fighting with their, you know, back in the 1700s and you had people being killed and battles and things like that, you know, which are a lot different than maybe other parts, you know, parts of the country that were more were discovered much later than, say, here in PA. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, um, being from New England, I think I was kind of uh, kind of blessed with with that experience because, mm -hmm. it, like you said, I mean, Pennsylvania, the early colonies, um, you know, the early settlers, and then obviously um, Gettysburg and everything happening there. There's there's a lot of emotion uh, that kind of stains the environment after these kind of things play out. Um, you know, so within America, there's many places that that are, you know, in some ways older than others. But th there's always, you know, natives and things that were here before colonization as well. Um, so we have to look for that. But, yeah, certain certain areas are just more populated and have a more of a rich history in terms of colonization or just people living there um, in general. But I know, like, even down in Florida, you know, in the southern parts of Florida, um, we have a lot with the Spanish and such that, uh, that were settling in there. Um, so there's certain places that uh, just seem to be more of a hotbed of activity. And I think, yeah, it definitely has to do with the amount of people that were there and the times that were there. And then filming the international uh, show for two years and being to all those countries over in oh, Europe, yeah. you know, there was so much going on. Um, so it, one of the things I really enjoy about the paranormal is the, the sociological aspect of it, meeting new people, learning about their culture, uh, learning about their, their religions and their customs, their spirituality, and then just the history of, of the settlements and the things that happened to these places. Um, it's really, it's, 
I want to say it's really more about the 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 other things than it is about the ghosts for me. As much as I love the spiritual side of it, um, you don't always have a spiritual encounter, but you can always be aware and learn about your environment. And then, um, yeah, I think that's why we're places of, of tragedy uh, seem to retain that that uh, energy or those spirits or whatever. You know, like Gettysburg, I was just saying, uh, a lot of times these, these lighthouses or ports uh, you guys have investigated a lot of forts that, yeah. um, you know, that are, are extremely haunted. So um, is there a, a, a rhyme or reason to that? Like, you know, like, I know we don't know what's going on in the afterlife, why the why some people are lingering. And, you know, there's the whole theory of sometimes they don't know they're dead yet and they haven't moved on. And it was like an instant, uh, yeah. you know, tragedy that they died instantly. And so, you know, what has been your experience to, to say of, you know, why you think these these beings are lingering around? That 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 isn't like residual energy, you know, that's intelligent. Right. Yeah, separating the the classifications obviously from residual energy that's just kind of like staying in the environment and playing out versus an actual intelligent spirit or a soul that may be there. Um, and you know, again, speaking from my own personal experience, my own understandings. We don't all have to sing from the same hymnal. We don't all have to get along, but we should respect each other's ideas. Um, for me, I, I don't subscribe to the they don't know they're dead theory. I just right. kind of feel like you haven't had to go to work for a while. You haven't had to pay any bills. Um, your libido <laughs> life has been very in the toilet. Um, you also haven't gone to the toilet. You've probably realized some things have been different. Right. Um, but I do think that some some linger a little bit longer than others. I mean, I know if something happened to me tomorrow, I'd want to like, keep an eye on my family. You see how my daughter's developing, how she's growing and making her way into the world, make sure that my wife's okay. Um, so yeah, I think that there's very logical reasons why spirits would want to choose to, to stay around a little longer, you know? Um, but I also believe that, that heaven or the afterlife or however you, you want to see it um, isn't as far away as we think it is. So I think a lot of what we see is, is kind of either bleed over of the spiritual realm or purposeful uh, visitation. And right. I think that sometimes we're seeing a little bit of both. And yeah, we don't know all the answers uh, to it for sure. Um, but I think places where we see a, um, a consecrated, a, a concentrated amount of energy um, and certain things that we believe to be linked to help spirits uh, to show themselves in terms of geological makeup or, or waterways or even like train yards and those things uh, may seem to make these things easier to either perceive or for them to facilitate. Um and, you know, I, I always caution investigators, too, with the way we approach these things, we often are so limited by our understandings or what we've read or what we've seen in movies, or what we've seen other paranormal groups do, that we just follow the same cookie cutter thing. And it's so right. important to, to get outside that box when you can, and also to think of things that may not be so obvious. Like, how are they seeing us? One of the questions I like to ask all the time is, what do we look like to you? And right. often the response is light. Um, which is interesting because how many things do we see that we see is in shadow, you know? So there's this give and take, but, you know, we'll have different REM pods. We'll have flux two things. We have these different devices and we're like, Hey, light up the red light, right up the green. How do we know they see red? How do we know they see right. green? That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to like establish those things. Like, okay, light up whatever you can. Okay. I see that as green. We'll use that as yes. You know, like you have to set parameters. Um, but, uh, I just feel so like, when those moments happen, 
And I know some of them are small and people want like the crazy big activity, but those small things really add up, you know, and, and just because it's, it's not as amazing as something you would read in a book or, or see in a, a movie, um, doesn't mean that that spiritual contact is a small thing in any way. I mean, if we think about our energy, our soul, whatever it is that passes on from this life still has a way to interact with us. That's amazing. And I think right. that sometimes people get a little cocky about it or they just get spoiled with it or they forget how exciting it is the first time you see something or hear something and uh, hold on to that, those moments because they really do add up and they mean a lot. You know, we talked a little bit about this in the, in the first segment, so I exposed my pumpkin head then. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, I, well, first of all, I have my own theory that, um, that I think would explain why some spirits remain for long periods of time, right? Maybe hundreds of years, whatever. Um, and it's not a far-fetched theory, but, you know, time and space is, is developed, you know, I, I believe God made it for, for, for people, right? The spiritual realm is outside of time and space. So Absolutely. to them, you know, passing away a hundred years ago was like passing away two seconds ago or maybe a week ago or whatever. There, there is no time or space. So it's, it, what, what seems like, 200, 300 years for us could have been instantaneously for them or could have been a month for them or whatever, because there is no time or space. So, and and they're not maybe necessarily lingering so much as they are just maybe it's still may, might be new to them. Who knows? Um, or it might be routine for them. It might be just a comfortable place for them. Um, we, we just, we just don't know. I mean, of anything, like, you know, you guys have the ability to probe these the people right in the in the afterlife and, and try to get responses um as well and that's the part I, that fascinates me we talked about this earlier in the segment uh first segment as well as far as um the the people that believe that we are just beings that when we die there's nothing after, after I, I just think that there's a preponderance of, of evidence that say otherwise that, that whether you believe that's just we live on as energy or whether you believe in heaven or whether you believe in uh, just the, the spirits at Rome or whatever, there's just an overwhelming amount of evidence. And I've had a lot of my own experiences to, to prove that, that there is something after we, we leave this earth and or after we're done with this, our, our bodies here. And um, the other thing I find amazing, and you know, we talked about this as well, and maybe you can uh, back this up or add to it. I know a lot of uh, people in the paranormal field, or they're investigators, or they're medium psychics, and they're they're Christians. Mm-hmm. And throughout their uh, life and time of doing this stuff, you would think that they would have encountered something that would that if if, if there wasn't something to it, that they would say, you know what, I've just seen enough that there's nothing there, and so I was I was I'm completely wrong. But they remain in their faith. So, I mean, how, how do you respond to that? Because I know you're a Christian, and I know you, you, like a lot of your lectures, you kind of build that stuff in there. But how do you work the two between the paranormal investigations and your faith? Sure. And that's probably one of the most common things that comes up for me. Um, I do want to just comment on, on your, your, your 
your message about time. I yeah. completely agree. Like time is a man-made construct in the way that we understand it. Um, I have a whole lecture called How Soon Is Now, where we talk about time and space-time and how time is different just within um, levels of elevation within our own world. Uh, my buddy, uh, Mike Ricksecker, who's on a lot of different programs, he's on Ancient Aliens sometimes, um, he's got some amazing document uh, uh, documentaries that he's put together, uh, little segments about this. And I went down this rabbit hole researching time and trying to understand it and like trying to drive myself crazy. And now I've realized like how much, I mean, yeah, I'm always busy, but I feel like there's so much time that I've wasted previously that I have to catch up now, but there's no catching up because it's a construct that we can't, that we've made yet we can't conquer, which is interesting. Right. <laughs> um, but um, as a Christian, yeah. So, uh, so for me, um, and I have a great respect for all the major world religions, however people want to worship God, goddess. I believe that, uh, that the, the main company I like to refer to as like Hallmark had different divisions with different prophets in different lands in a time where we did not know other countries even existed. You would take a message from someone that looked like you somebody that spoke like you and somebody that you could understand. So it made sense for these different lands to have different prophets and different stories. But when we put them all together, there's so many commonalities between like the flood story narrative and just the overwhelming message always of love and respect. Like that's what it comes down to. So worship the way you want to worship, just be respectful of others. Um, for me as a Christian, a couple of stories I always point to when people bring up uh, the paranormal. And first off, I'm not, I'm not sitting there, um, conjuring up the dead. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not dealing with, uh, uh, unclean spirits and trying to exercise people or, or dealing with demons. I've been doing this 31 years and, uh, I have a zero demon track record. Um, so either I'm really bad at it or they're not as common as some people think. Um, I do believe in, in angels and, and demons. I do believe that there is a hierarchy, however you want to call it. Maybe the nomenclature is different. Um, but for me, I keep myself in a real positive place. I don't come across the negative as much. Even in this world, it helps to stay positive and clean. It kind of keeps the negativity away. But um, I always point out for for my, my Christian brethren um, a couple of things. One, uh, you have to be honest about the Bible, inspired by God, but written by man. And books that were put in the Bible at one time were really well regarded. And then all of a sudden, when Rome got involved and decided this is going to be the main religion, we're going to pick through which books we like and which books that we don't have any use for. So like a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls I got shoved to the side um, were most likely written by the Essenes, who were the group that were said to be closest to Christ. And in, in there, they mentioned, um, I went to an exhibit they had in Boston, and I sat in on a lecture and everything, and it was mentioned in there um, that they believe heaven is just a shift away. It's not as far as we would think. And then when I started looking at that with that type of context and reading in the Bible, and, you know, we see um, there's the the old story about uh, Saul and the Witch of Endor, and they do some conjuring in that one, you know. Um, when Christ is dealing with the unclean spirit, um, he casts out the spirit and he says that we can do this in his name. Now, again, I don't do that type of work. The one case I did where it seemed kind of of a darker nature, again, I wouldn't jump to demon. I went and had a, a friend of mine who was a priest that was uh, in Rhode Island at the time, introduced the two people. Went my own way. Like that was that was what and I needed. You're more to do. equipped for that, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like it's like, this isn't my area of specialty. So let me help you out, you know? Um, but when Christ is appearing, walking on water, like he mentions that he's not a ghost when he first appears as a, after the resurrection um, and uh, Didymus, the twin doubting Thomas wants to put his hand in his side to, to, she, to see like, is this really him? And he mentions that he is, he is not a ghost. So um, there's showing difference between resurrection versus spirit activity. And I mean, how many times are there spirits in the stories? You know, there's so many, you know, so-and-so appeared to this one and gave them these messages. Angels appeared and gave them these messages. So there's so much evidence for it just within the books themselves. Um, And then this isn't a story I I used to share a lot, but I'm starting to share it more and more. Um, I did a college lecture. I do colleges usually in the fall. And um, I did a college lecture in New England, um, and I went and after the lecture, we usually do like a small investigation event. And it was just for this group, I think it was like 10 or 12 people. And it was their drama club that had uh, sponsored the thing. So I went to this small little house off camp, uh, on the side of the campus with these kids. And I was using one of the box devices and getting absolutely nothing, like just nothing coming through. And one kid was really kind of snarky and kind of like judgy and kind of hateful through the whole thing. And you just kind of feel that like bad energy, that juju, you know, I'm just like, whatever, man. But as spirit often does, they will choose this person to kind of show themselves to or to make a comment. To. <laughs> right. And so I, I told everybody, listen, like they're not responding to me. Like, let's go around and everybody ask a question. And when it gets to this kid, he like really condescendingly was like, so like, are there jobs in heaven? Like, what do you do? And I swear to you, this is as true as true gets. This girl's voice came through clear as day and said, hang out with Jesus Christ. And everybody looked at me like, like gasped. I'm like, I've never heard that name. I've never heard the name of Jesus come through in any session I've ever done. So I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on right now? And so like this girl was sitting next to the kid that asked the question and she's like, what did she say? I'm like, and so I asked, I'm like, I'm sorry, could you repeat? And I, this girl comes back, she goes, hang out with Jesus Christ, God's son, gotta go. And then that was it. (laughs) Nothing else happened. I was like, that's awesome. What just happened? I remember walking out of there and calling Chip Coffee. I'm like, Chip, you're not going to believe what just happened. Like, this is the craziest freaking thing. And um, it's still one of the most like amazing moments that I had. And uh, I'm not the best investigator. I don't record a lot of my sessions, hardly any, because I'm I'm in it for the moment. I'm in it for the experience. Like, I ain't got time to sit around and record a bunch of things. I just like to to live in the moment. And uh, but that was when I was like. Damn, I wish I recorded that because it was amazing. That was a moment, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so are you uh, like, um, uh, where are you or are you still a member of TAPS or were you just always pulled in as a friend or a guest or whatever? Um, or are oh, no, you part I, so, of the organization? Yeah, so I watched the, uh, the that first uh, half of the season and uh, I was always investigating in Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass just by myself or with my buddies. Um, and investigating is a loose term. It's mostly like, and don't do this, breaking into abandoned buildings, you know, <laughs> oh, and man, like, yeah. <laughs> that, but that's how I started, you know, and now right. I feel like I have a responsibility to tell people, don't do that. Like, these don't buildings do that, are like you can fall, you can get hurt. You're also trespassing. Um, but that's, that was my origin story. You know, I saw a shadow figure as a kid that was like my gateway ghost. And I spent years reading about these things. There was no paranormal TV Halloween time. You'd get a special about haunted locations. I'd get super excited. And all of a sudden one night I come home from working on the ambulance and I see ghost hunters and I caught it like mid, like mid episode. I'm like, 
what are these guys doing? Like they're in people's homes looking for this stuff and there's no <laughs> cops and no one's yelling at them. And um, <laughs> then when I, when I saw they were filming in Rhode Island, I like went online and I was like, oh, this is crazy. I like emailed everybody and nobody got back to me. But I'm persistent. And so I kept emailing them. I was like, you know, I used to work for CBS and Fox News. I know how to run all your equipment. Like, I I know how to look through the DVR and, like, find things. Like, I'm really interested in this. And when they finally brought me out for an interview, they, you know, they're like, listen, you could be part of our home team on the TAPS team, but you can't be on the show. And I was working, like, three jobs at the time anyway. I was like, that's fine. I wasn't trying to be on TV. I just want access without getting chased out. And um, so that's what I did for months. So I was a part of their home team. And then they brought me on a show. We did a uh, firehouse here in Rhode Island. So I went to that first. And then it was, um, you know, here an episode, there an episode. Because again, like I was working in healthcare and I didn't want to give up my job because I thought TV is fun. But like, you know, I'm settling down, I'm starting a family. I want something that's consistent and solid. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's what I did, but, uh, yeah, so I still work locally here. Uh, Cody, who's been on the show a lot, he's another home team member. So he and I would do cases here. Um, but, uh, yeah, still a part of the crew and still get to go out and have some fun with them, uh, both on and off TV. So. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Cause, um, I guess one of the things like even back in the day and even still now, one of the reasons why I liked when you were on the show is cause the, the, you seem to approach things a lot the same as like even like Jay or Grant were and, and Steve, basically the whole team. I think you fit in well with the team because of the way they approach things, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to bash ghost adventures. I watch that show all the time and stuff like that, but Zach and his crew are completely different. I mean, they, the way they go at things, they're, they're a little more bombastic. They're, um, the, the way they still just like yell and scream when they get evidence, I'm like, that's your job. Like, well, what are you yelling and screaming about, you know? And but you guys are just like really like you're. It's like you. It's like a job. Like you're there to do a job. You're just trying to get to the truth. You're trying to figure out what's going on. You're looking for the evidence and you think about it. And it's like you're focused on it, right? And it, it's not like a show. It's so. It's one of the reasons why, like I said, I, I, I kind of like Ghost Hunters is because of the way they approach things. Like I said, I think you fit well in with that show because you have the same technique as far as trying to just get answers for something. And I think that's much more appealing to a, a, a viewing member uh, of the show instead of something like there, there are energy, right? If you watch Ghost Brothers, I love those guys, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're, and, and their, their banter and stuff like that is hysterical, but they're also serious investigators, right? But they're, they're entertaining at the same time. Yeah. But, yeah. um, so outside of, uh, and I, I told you before we had Maddie Blake on the show and uh, Maddie has a, a paranormal, um, podcast with Alan Arkinson and, um, he also gets into a lot of other things with paranormal, like Bigfoot and, and UFOs and stuff like that. So outside of like the, the, the spiritual stuff and the ghost hunting, have you like dabbled in anything else paranormal or you just kind of stay in that lane? Yeah, man. All, all the things. I like all the weird things. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, to, to your point too, about the other shows, like I always tell people, like, there doesn't need to be a faction war, you know, like people right. like different things, different levels of entertainment or different serious approaches. Like, and no one's forcing anybody to watch any of them, or you could watch all of them. You can watch whatever the hell you want, or you don't have to, you know, right. like I like wrestling and a lot of people are like, Oh, you're a WWE guy or an AEW guy. I'm like, I watch them both. I also watch ring of honor and I would also watch indie shows. Like I just like wrestling. So if you like the paranormal and you like it all fine, if you just like one thing, that's cool too. Um, 
for me in terms of other stuff, yeah, for sure. Um, I have done uh, one uh, Sasquatch um, investigation. I don't like to say the word hunt. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to shoot anything. The term is <laughs> for ghosts too. It's just, you know, it is what it is. It's just the vernacular right. of it. But um, in New Mexico, I did get to go uh, looking for Bigfoot uh, with some of the natives there, which was amazing. Just to, to be amongst a full tribe and uh, to be out there was just a, an amazing experience. I really enjoyed it. Didn't see anything, but to go up and get to go in this big cave and everything, it's just cool. You know, um, a lot of times I just, I take a moment and just like, this is my life. This is such a weird weird, wonderful life. Um, UFOs. Absolutely. I have a, um, I have a, the old teardrop, uh, alien was my first tattoo that's on my leg. And, um, I still, uh, I still love aliens, but I remember as a kid, you get to the point where, you know, you get like, you get known for one thing and you go through that phase where no one really knows you and they don't know what to buy you for holidays. All I got was alien stuff. So like (laughs) alien shirts, alien mannequin heads, books about aliens, like that's all I would get. And, um, and I still love them, you know, and, uh, I've had a couple of sightings over the years, not many, um, just, just two, maybe three, um, cool incident I had at the, uh, the old Hinsdale house up in New York. Um, I was there doing an event. Uh, my buddy Cody was there with me and we were doing a, a box session, which if, you know, the lineage of the Frank's box was originally invented to speak to extraterrestrials. And so we're using a box session and people are, you know, focused on spirit, 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 ghost, ghost, ghost. And we get this voice that comes through and he keeps calling us earthies and saying they're watching us from above. I'm like, well, this is really interesting, isn't it? Like, it's much more alien than you would think um, was going to come out of this investigation. But, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I've got love for all the kinds of weird, creepy things. And um, I feel like the, the most important thing is, like, you need magic in this world. You know, I feel like there really is more out there than we are able to perceive, and probably for good reason. I feel like this is a spiritual training ground, so we need to go through certain things. You can't just fast forward to the end of the movie. You can't just flip to the end of the book. Like You need to live these experiences. And that's why I try to tell people like when you're going through tough times, like, yeah, it sucks now, but you can't see the whole puzzle yet. Like you got to get through these pieces, and it'll start to come together. Just sometimes the timeline's longer than we want it to be, you know? But um I love all the weird stuff. And it's like I had my little Santa Claus hat on before. And uh, I love Santa. I I really do. Like I have a lecture just about Santa Claus himself because a real man, great story. And the magic that has come out of it, the magic of Christmas, the innocence of childhood that ties into that. And I feel like when people rob you of that innocence and they, they tell you these kind of things that are against your beliefs as a child, um, I feel like the world gets a little darker. It gets a little smaller, you know? So when people are saying like, you're like, oh, ghosts don't exist. It's like, well, maybe you haven't had any experience, but I find if we change the verbiage, we change the nomenclature. I'm like, well, do you believe you have a soul? Do you believe there's an afterlife? Like all of a sudden we'll say yes to that, but we'll say no to ghosts. I'm like, it's the same damn well, that thing. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it's, it's getting people past the idea that believing in a ghost is a childish and stupid thing. And it's like, no, sometimes the things that we learned innately from birth that we didn't have quite the linguistic skills to express yet, but somehow we knew to be true. Those things, those little bits of magic are the most real things that are in this world. We just can't always perceive them. And as we get older, we get so, you know, weighed down with get up, sit in traffic, go to job, punch a clock, get the money, give the money to the IRS, give the money to the bills, and then do it again, do it again, do it again. Like, what the hell are you living for? You're missing the whole (laughs) damn experience. You're just punching the clock. Letting it pass you right by. You know, I, I've, I've had conversations, too, with people who, like, 
or like they don't want to know about if there's life on other planets because they say, well, if there's life on other planets, that doesn't make us unique. And I said, well, why doesn't it? I said, if, if God created the whole entire universe and he created life everywhere, but that doesn't mean that, you know, when, when, you know, the Bible says that God made us in his image, maybe we are special. Maybe we are unique. Maybe that's why Christ was here. Maybe he wasn't on other planets. God made elephants. He made, you know, uh, whales. He made ants. He made, uh, you know, uh, porcupines. Look at all, all these different creatures that God has made. Why wouldn't he be able to make other types of beings, other types of, of critters that are on other planets? But that doesn't make us not unique and not special uh, to God. So it's a, again, you know, broaden your perspective on on how you, you think about things. And it, it begins to say, okay, well, if, if, if I think that way, then I, I think I'd be fine. Yeah, I'm finding out if there was, you know, beings on other planets because, you know, as you said, whether whether they're the greys or whatever people claim to see or whatever, I don't know. Um, but if that is the case, they don't look like humans. They're humanoids or human-ish. Right. But that's so, I think that still qualifies us as being unique. Yeah, for sure. I mean, each one of us is a little different, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. even identical twins have things about their personalities and stuff that aren't exactly alike, you know? Right. And why the hell do we have to be so special anyway? Like, it, right. it's okay just to be a cog in the <laughs> cosmic machine. Exactly. Cool yes, 100%. You know, that, it's that, always uh, the go ahead, Mark. Yeah. It's always a perception, I think, with people, too, is they just assume if there is life somewhere else that it wants to destroy us. You know, that's the thing. That, you know, how, how do you know if there is life somewhere else that shows up here and go, hey, what's up? You know, you know, what, what do you what do you guys do over here? You know, it's it's I think that's the thing people are afraid of. They think it's going to just because there could be life somewhere else. that all of a sudden, those people want to destroy us yeah. or yeah, I mean, if we, if we made it to their planet. Are, and it could be just they're just people, you know, may look different and it's just, hey, what are you doing? What's up? Hey, my name is so and so. I mean, if we had the technology to make it to their planet, I mean, we wouldn't be getting there and saying, oh, "Okay, well, there's some place we could take over and destroy everybody, and you know, let our people be there." I mean, so yeah, I, mean, I mean, you'd like you'd like to think that, but it right, you'd like to think that, <laughs> right? That doesn't mean I mean, that that's the case. We don't. We, know, we just don't know. It's it's just the unknown, right? I know. A long time ago, we've sent signals out there. Hoping that some, you know, because if some, if there's computers elsewhere, it has to be derived to the same sort of system and series of what's it, lines and dots or whatever it is. And I know, obviously, things can travel. We've never received anything back that I'm that I'm aware of. No, Who's we have. We have recently, like somewhere else, maybe it's way underdeveloped from us. They could still be back in the infancy of rubbing two rocks together, you know. To try to create create fire. Doesn't yeah, SETI, SETI actually has received uh, frequencies back from deep space. Um, but it would have to times. be. They should be able to decode if they were as advanced as us or more advanced. If we're sending things out like it, they should be able to actually understand it to be able to send it back. Is I guess what they're think. What the people what people are thinking. Who I I don't know who the experts are who who actually have done that. Is send that out there, but I know that they have a very long time ago. But with light years and how far away, who knows how long it would take for signal to get there, and then for it to be received, and being if they have their 
as advanced as us or more advanced, they'd be able to take those series of dots and lines or whatever it is and communicate back. It could be hundreds of years. Well, you're, you look like you're ready to go now, Mark, so we can just uh, launch you out into space and uh, you can get some answers for us. What I'll, do you think? I, I'm just, <laughs> hey, if they, if they show up, you know, I'll order, I'll eat pizza with them. They got to chip in <laughs> hey, put their pay in there. But I don't know. I just can't assume that people just, if there's life somewhere else, that it has to be that, that they're violent and they want to create harm to everyone else. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we're not that way. I think that's well, among a, ourselves maybe, but just know. like with, just like within the paranormal thing too, it's like a Hollywood perception, right? Like, how many alien movies can you think of? There's quite a bit. How many of them where they're friendly and they just want to hang out? Not nearly as many. <laughs> they're always threatening yeah. or blowing stuff up or at war or fighting. You know, um, the, I like to like Mac and me where they're just running around and like doing weird things. Like just give me happy aliens, like goofy, happy aliens. That'd be fine. That's what made uh, the movie and the TV show um, uh, Alien Nation kind of cool. You know what I mean? Because it was just right. them mingling and kind of yeah. merging with us and everything. So, do you remember the old was, movie um, from the eighties, Enemy Mine? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that was a great movie. Like they had their own good and bad aliens and like their right. own thing going on too. You know, it's just they're from a different place. So, I don't I know. Think I, I think eventually we'll find out. We may even find out in our lifetime. Yeah. Who knows? We're getting closer. We're, We're getting closer. Yeah, we are. I mean, people all in time. Good. They're, they're finally starting to release some evidence, at least, uh, that they've been sitting on. So, you know, maybe yeah. eventually we'll get to that. But, uh, right. When they need a really big distraction, they'll wheel one out to say hello. Right. <laughs> so what... Uh, I'm ready to go up there and investigate it. I got the outfit and everything here. That's it. Oh, you need <laughs> some, ready to some, go off into space. Some astronaut ice cream and you're gone. <laughs> what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you got coming up next there, Dustin? What are you going to be speaking at or... Uh, with uh, kind of gatherings you got uh, in the future. Yeah, we've got uh, we got a couple more uh, uh, library lectures coming up. I'm going to Kalamazoo, uh, Michigan to do one in person. I'm going to Wisconsin. Um, I've got a um, I started this new type of investigation called Spirit Quest. Uh, it's Spirit Quest with Justin Perry is the full title, um, and they're only they're limited to 15 people only. And uh, so I have one that's uh, coming up in the Lehigh uh, Valley area of Pennsylvania. And uh, wow. it's at the old George Taylor House, which um, um, is a historic place, beautiful building. We did it on the recent season of Ghost Hunters. And um, so Spirit Quest is different. It's low tech, um, only 15 people, no matter what the location is. And um, we look more at our own spirituality, our own ability to communicate um, some of the older ways of spiritualism communication, like not just knocks and bangs, but we try to get into, depending on which location is, I try to find something unique to it. Um, recently, we did one where we just went outside because there was a historic cemetery there that we had permission to be in and didn't do any investigation there, but just walked barefoot and kind of grounded ourselves. It was beautiful. It was a full moon and just had like a nice, quiet, spiritual moment. And just kind of exercising the spirit inside us and then coming back into the home and investigating and, and trying to communicate. Um, I, I really believe in like a lot of things like sound and resonation and just what our intention is and kind of letting our light shine out into the darkness as we see it instead of just always relying on talking boxes and blinking lights. You know, and there's a place for those things. But with Spirit Quest, I'm trying to get people to realize that 
we are stronger than we have been led to believe. We've forgotten a lot of what the things are that we can do. And so uh, Spirit Quest is, is that kind of thing. So uh, the next one's going to be in Lehigh Valley. I think it's November 11th. Um, so that's going to be really cool. So if anybody's interested, everything's just on my website, which is just DustinPerry.com. So the, the, your whole, uh, I guess, tour or whatever you want to call it, event of events are on the website. Uh, how about social media? Where, where do you want people to hook up with you on social media? If yeah, if it's if it's Twitter, if it's Facebook, if it's Instagram, if it's TikTok, everything's always just at Dustin Perry. Pretty simple. Uh, DustinPerry.com is where everything is. Um, all the links to my books, everything you can get through Amazon, but you can find everything on my website. Um, I have a YouTube series called Hey, Got a Minute. It's like little motivational minute long videos. Um, so uh, those are a lot of fun. We have a new series of those that'll be coming out. And then I do this thing on Patreon. It's also patreon.com slash Justin Perry. It's called Monsters Motivation and Mayhem. So you get a little bit of all my parts of my personality. But the thing I'm most proud of is there is it's um, just at, at the base plan of $5 a month because I want everyone to have access. We have something called the uh, Acolytes of Kindness Project. And uh, every week I have a, a kindness challenge that I put online for people to go do, like within their neighborhood, within their communities, you know, make baked goods for a neighbor, help an elderly neighbor, um, go to the cemetery and put flags up on the veterans things. Uh, just personal things that I think we can make a difference by doing small things, but um, all over the place. So I'm really happy to do that. Then we have like a monthly meeting online on Zoom and everything. So um, that's my Patreon page. But just, yeah, man, I'm just out there trying to do my best. Um, I've been very blessed to, to have, you know, a, a a nice little platform, you know, I mean, I know I was always kind of like a, a secondary or tertiary uh, investigator because I always kind of came and went on the show. But uh, I mean, almost two decades, I'm very blessed to have done it. I've seen 27 countries. I've met thousands and thousands of people and it's never lost upon me how important those moments are. Um, we talked about time briefly earlier. We've been led to believe the most valuable thing in this world is money, but the most valuable thing is time because in order to get money, you have to trade your time doing a job that hopefully you don't hate, but you trade your time for that. And no matter how much money you make, you can never buy that time back. So anytime somebody comes to one of my events and spends time with me or even writes to me online, um, those things matter. And um, I, without this type of interaction, I couldn't do the kind of things I like to do. And the thing I like to do most is try to help others through this human experience. So that's what I am focused on. Awesome. And I, I hope if you come back to Pittsburgh sometime, I mean, I, I met you back in 2014. That was a while ago. And yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, that was, uh, you probably don't remember because you've been in so many cities, but that was not a really good event. There was like five people. The show. Pittsburgh is really lame when it comes to these things. I'm these sorry. things happen sometimes, it's, man. Uh, yeah. It was, it was a horrible, uh, the, I felt really bad for you. I'm like, where is everybody? You've got to be kidding me. There's like five people here. Give, maybe give it another shot. I mean, I can't, I can't promise you it's going to be any better. Because yeah, that's all right, man. I always think of it this way, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's not the size of the crowd that shows up. It's, it's the intention and the moments between the people that are there. And, um, you know, maybe if there was 30 or 40 people there, we wouldn't have had the same interactions and such, you know, everything's always different based upon the energy of the people that are there. And so, um, I quickly, I just shared this with you, a church I used to go to. I went there once. I was late for mass. He used to do a Wednesday night mass and I got there late and I walked in and nobody was there and he was halfway through the second reading. And I thought, is he really doing the whole mass with nobody here? And so I sat in the back, I waited, went through the whole thing. And uh, after everything was done, I, I asked him, I said, do you 
conduct the massive if no one shows? They said, yeah. He said, because I just feel like, you know, there may be spirits that might be present and they want to listen or I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And if, if people come in, then people come in. And if they don't, they don't. And I was like, what a beautiful thing, you know? And uh, so that's something I try to keep in mind. You know, some of the library lectures are at capacity. Some of them have, you know, 10 people. But um, it doesn't make anything less significant just because it's not a packed house. Yeah, we, we, on, a, on a weirder side note, Mark and I, some years ago, we went to go see the band Firehouse perform out in Ohio, uh, yeah. Phantom Fireworks, and it was pouring down rain. There was like 30 people showed up for the show. It was pretty pretty pathetic. And uh, and they they played the whole, they didn't skimp. They, you know, CJ Snare, the singer, was not feeling well, but they he's like, hey, we're going to make this like this is, you know, a, like a backyard party or something like that. And they put on a full show. They, they still performed exactly the same they didn't mail it in and mm -hmm. you know that that's a great attitude to have um you know is because again especially what you're doing if you're going to impact just one person at, at one of your lectures or, or speeches or, or uh, meetings i mean what what does that work to you you know what i mean that's that's worth the world if you if you've impacted and changed one person's life because of something you said that means something to them so yeah, do exactly the same for five people as you would for five hundred people. Right? Absolutely, man, and it's um, you know, it, it's weird. Like, I'm thankful to say, I know I have made a difference in some people's lives in a very serious way, not just entertaining them with stories of of spirits and those kind of things, uh, but helping people with uh, their their own mental health and um, some people that unfortunately, you know, were in a place where they felt um, that they didn't want to be here anymore. And um, I wish it was just a one-off. I wish that it never happened. I wish that I never came across somebody that felt that way. But I'm thankful that I know I've been able to make a little difference for for some of those people. And um, it's interesting. Like you never know what you're going to get in your your social media. But I, I received a message the other day. It was a cameo that was sent to me from one of my favorite wrestlers, and uh, I was just excited. You know, I'm like, oh, this is great. And the guy starts off like doing the gimmick and everything. And he's like, you know, the, the person that sent this to you sent this to you because you helped them at one of their lowest points where they were considering suicide and they didn't know how to thank you. And they wanted to send this. And I'm sitting there watching this thing. I was so excited about my favorite wrestler. And now I'm like almost in tears because I'm like, oh, my God, like it's just so like those moments like and like you said you don't know you don't know who's in the audience you don't know who's listening every email i might answer or some weird little tweet or something um and it's good for all of us you don't need to be on some stupid reality show to make a difference you know all of us have that ability every damn day when we go out into society or we choose to sit in front of our keyboard and respond to somebody you could always choose kindness and it never hurts and it's never wasted even if you don't see the impact so Hopefully, uh, those of you watching this show, go out and check out Dustin's stuff. Maybe you'll get inspired and, uh, as well. And maybe you want to go uh, check him out in person. Uh, he's uh, also an author. He's got books out there. Uh, somewhere along the line, um, hopefully, you'll, you'll dig his stuff and, and follow him on social media. It's always got a positive message to say. Maybe I'll pick you up for the third day or whatever. So I uh, really appreciate having you on, Dustin. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank and you. uh so for the the cosmonaut big m over there i am pumpkinhead michael cajun we will see you guys next time on glad show happy halloween everybody <laughs>